Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. It's me, your host, Dave Wakeman. Uh, this is episode number 171, and that only matters because my guest today is the first five-time guest on the podcast, Martin Gameltoff from ActivityStream. And I had Martin on because ActivityStream has grown significantly uh, with a set of acquisitions that Martin and I wanted to talk about today. Um, but besides that, we got into a lot of stuff, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. But first, let me tell you about a couple of things that are going on. Uh, the first thing is I'm doing a workshop, the first in-person workshop I've done since 2019. Uh, it will be on September 12th, uh, 2022 in New York City, uh, the Whiteboard Workshop, and I will be... Uh, teaching you things like the DCGA framework for strategic decision-making, which is diagnose, choose goals and action to help you move your organization forward. Uh, that'll be the 12th of September in New York City. Uh, send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com. I can get you signed up. The cost of that is $300. I want to make it accessible for people. I want to make it fun and engaging. So again, Hit me up, daviddavewakeman.com. Check out the Dave Wakeman newsletter each week, Talking Tickets, at talkingtickets.substack.com. Uh, talkingtickets.substack.com. There's uh, five main sections each week, uh, some analysis, some action items, some fun games. Uh, so check that out. Um, make sure you hook up with my friends at Booking Protect. Um, I think that we are going to do something in London in September, October, but uh, don't hold me to that yet, but check them out. Uh, BookingProtect.com. Uh, refund protection has become a bigger and bigger part of the customer journey since the pandemic's lockdowns have ended. Uh, we are seeing data that shows people taking a refund protection at twice the rate that they did before the pandemic. For your intents and purposes, this does a lot of things, right? Number one, it shows a real desire and need for security amongst customers. Number two, it is a way for you to offer your customers a better um, customer journey, a better buying experience. You give them peace of mind. You can also create a new revenue stream for your organization. Um, it, it's a really positive product to have right now. Uh, the challenges of getting people to come back to the shows, uh, events, games can be great in a lot of markets. So check them out, bookingprotect.com. Talk to Kat, Kath, Haley, Simon, uh, any of them. They're all great people, um, a, a joy to work with, um, and a great service and a great product. So back to Martin. So we got into this deep because, you know, when, when you're five-timer, man, you get the grilling. And so we talk, we hit a bunch of stuff. We talked about strategy. We talked about the challenges of acquiring emerging cultures in the business. We talked about, um, you know, how mergers and, the mergers and acquisitions are going to lead to growth in the market. We talked about uh, their expansion and some of the challenges of coming to the USA. We talked about... Um, making strategic decisions. We talk about testing. We talked about pricing. We talked about behavioral science. Uh, we got into, um, you know, understanding that you're not your customer. I mean, this is a pretty, uh, a pretty great conversation. I think it's a little bit more nuts and bolts, maybe even though some of the other ones. Um, but the first thing we talk about are the acquisitions and what that's going to mean for activity stream going forward. So I hope you dig this fifth episode episode with Martin Gamletoff from ActivityStream. Stream. 
I'd like to welcome Martin Gameltoff back to the Business of Fun podcast. Martin, how are you? Hi, Dave. I'm good. Thank you for having me back. Hey, I do what I can. I do what I can. Um, you are here for uh, not so much for a conversation today. You are here for a full on plug fest. So um, let us plug, plug, plug. There's some big news uh, that you have. You want to you want to share with everybody. Uh, go ahead. Throw it out there. Go ahead. Plug away, Martin. Plug away. No, it's it's been a it's been a pretty um pretty exciting period for us at Activity Stream uh, in that we recently acquired not only one but but two uh, other companies. So having been kind of a a fifty a fifty person company six eight weeks ago, we're now up to about eighty, and we have offices in Belgium and Holland and Scotland and Ghana. So yeah, so it's it's very exciting, and uh, it's yeah, it's um, it's exciting, and it's a lot of a lot of work, <laughs> a yeah. lot of a lot of very exciting kind of new projects and new angles to everything. Okay, so so tell us what what did you what did you what did you buy? You went shopping and you you came away with some new products and some new people. Uh, so what do you got for us? What what are you selling yeah. me now? Sell me. <laughs> no, I, I I would say that it, it kind of ties back to the vision of Activity Stream. Activity Stream was always um, intent on on connecting that anything that's not ticketing, but the kind of the ecosystem of third party tools and platforms that um, a venue or an arena or a theater or a sports club would be using. Um, so, so where we uh, where we previously have built integrations to like Wi-Fi platforms, apps, e-commerce tools, uh, those kind of things, we we now saw a, a pretty unique um, opportunity and acquired uh, YesPlan, which is a venue management tool. So you can say that's kind of the the very very beginning of that whole event life cycle where things are basically a, a note on a piece of paper going like, hey, we could bring back like Wilco in two and a half years. Um, and then that kind of goes into a little bit of planning. You go into scheduling. You got and uh, at that some point that gets that's get confirmed and then that gets set up in a ticketing system. And that's when the marketing and the sales start. And that's where kind of that's where we used to be activity stream kind of in, in that period um and then then comes the event and for for that part of the customer experience and customer journey uh we acquired uh, a fantastic service called crowd engage that is kind of it's mobile ticket delivery but it's also like pre-sales and event information and like plan your um plan your visit kind of information so it's all sitting there in in the hand of of the the customer uh so so yeah um uh, it's fun i mean it, it now it means that we're consistently there across the entire journey of an event and let me ask you the crowd engage platform right i know it's like a mobile ticket delivery and and pre-sales and things like this does it also handle some of the engagement after the fact so post event Yes. Uh, so you can like you say the the ticket itself is kind of the, the vessel, uh, 
but mm -hmm. then on the back of it you can do like you can do information you can do kind of say hey and you can have, you can have triggered so like hey now it's four four hours before the event we're looking forward to now seeing you at the, at the arena um then when you scan in you can get another message uh after the event you can get a post event message and yeah we'll we'll see where that goes but so all, now, all text message based yeah so, no I, I I only ask because you know as I'm a, a, a everybody's favorite noted smartass uh, I have developed a new model <laughs> a new model and I talk and and so it's like looks like a clock right so imagine a clock and so um, yes plan is from twelve to four and that, or mm -hmm. or actually it's like the whole the whole way around right because that's the whole like that's the the video it goes all the way through to settlement so yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. and so activity street or so crowd engage is kind of like uh, also sits there and activity stream sits from about four to uh, from about 12 to eight or 12 to six, because that's like the first part, like the part where you are um, figuring out who to market to marketing and selling to and then making sure that like you can feed back into the other two. Right. All right. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll. It worked better in my head than it did yeah. in practice. But <laughs> I, I'm not a, sure. I can see the whole twelve to six. I, I think usually we, I use I a mean, diagram. I think most most organizers would probably hope that we were only there for twelve to six, but we might be there till the eleventh hour, though. Just still trying to still trying to market the tickets, you know. Well, yes, exactly. I, th I believe that is correct. Um, I'll have to work on that one. That's a model that we'll, I'll continue to develop. Maybe that will okay. be for. Uh, um, it, it works better too when I have when I have my whiteboard, so I can just show the diagram. But since this is audio, no one can okay. see this. Um, so okay, so um, you you you've acquired some people. Now you have like sort of the full life cycle of the customer relationship. Uh, you've merged. Um, every, is everybody going to act? I guess, well, I did. I, I said you're going to merge things, but that's not necessarily true. So let me ask the question. Are, are these, are is ActivityStream, YesPlan, and CrowdEngage going to continue to operate as independent entities, or will they come together in some way, shape, or form? So there's sort of um, best practices that are um, used, and there's like a more seamless selling and experience thing for your customers? Well, first of all, I'll say I've, I've I've been part of mergers and acquisitions that even very large companies have done, uh, where you can say the motivation behind it is some kind of cost synergy, where you mm -hmm. you, you want to take out kind of duplicate functions and so on. So that's uh, I'm, I don't know if it's obvious, but obviously that's not the case here in that it's like three smallish mid-sized companies that are coming together so what like it's three companies that in themselves were growing quite well so what we're looking at now is kind of how can we by combining these products and the teams how can we make the client experience even better how can we create more value and kind of more efficient operations for our clients um does that have implications for the teams? Yes, um, but it also, but we're also going into very, very like treading very carefully not to disturb anything. So, like the development teams are going to continue. Like you, you, you don't want to disturb the developer team working on Yes Plan and tell them about how they could also do a little 
feature on ActivityStream. You don't want to, that's, I mean, they're very specific in what they do and what they know. Um, then you can say there are, there are other parts of the organization where where you you get starting to get some some strength in numbers like you because if you're a let's say 20 or 50 person operation you typically don't have a like a a, a big marketing operation so mm -hmm. just by kind of having these individuals now be a marketing department that means that we can really start playing to people's strengths they don't have to be like jacks of all trades at all times. Mm -hmm. So, so I think there's a there's a lot of benefit in, in that. And and then from a you can say from a client perspective, we we got a much more local presence. Like YesPlan has clients in the U.S. Uh, CrowdEngage has uh, clients in the U.S., but they didn't have kind of a customer success uh, person in the U.S. that was handled from Europe. Whereas ActivityStream has a customer success organization and can therefore now cover more time zones and hours in, in the day for, for these clients. So, yeah, so hopefully that's, um, I, 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 I like to say that I'm currently shopping best practices, like, like, because, you know, it's like, it's like when you get a new, a new person on that team and like you hire a new person. And you say, hey, listen, for the first three months, please carry a notepad and note down yeah. your observations. Um, so, so now we're all kind of in that in that situation where people ask me, hey, why are you doing this? Why why does your sales whatever process look like this? And I go like, that's an interesting question. It's been it's been it's been years since I I designed it. So. So, you know, it's just kind of, yeah, you, you have the, the luxury of having people question what you do and 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 just learn from from what other uh, people are doing. So yeah. and obviously there's a there's an underlying need for kind of aligning some things so we don't continue to do things differently. But um, yeah, but but I'm, I'm, I think we're all just trying to make sure that we don't we don't mess with something that that worked because you've you've probably seen yeah merges and acquisitions where that was that was the end result yeah oh yes um i uh, in my experience it, the number is north of 70% of mergers and acquisitions that are unsuccessful and unsuccessful might mean that like they have to be respun out or um you know, it, whatever it is, is like it doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that the success that is hoped for is achieved, you know, and that can come in many different forms. Mm -hmm. uh, but most of the time, I think, too, where it, it seems like, you, you know, this merger between ActivityStream, YesPlan and CrowdEngage has the opportunity is that that lack of overlap in um, operations. Right. Because it's, uh, it's very hard to take two organizations that do similar things and combine those cultures. But if they're like not as many overlapping um, pieces of the operation, then it's, it's much easier to do. And that's sort of, um, you know, what I see, what I saw and what I continue to see when you told me about this, because 
it can be challenging. And one of the things that I definitely warned you about was like, when, you know, here are some best practices for making sure these things work uh, because, because, um, you know, of the, the, you know, just the statistical likelihood that like a, any merger is not going to be successful. It's not because anybody's done anything wrong. It's just like, anytime you try to merge two teams, it can be tough. Um, you know, anytime there's overlap in skills or um, operations, there's challenges, right? And, uh, and, you know, but the one thing I did say was like, oh, but if there's like all these, you know, unique pieces, it makes the likelihood of success go up because you're, you know, you don't um, end up having as much friction as you might in other situations. So, yeah. I guess, you know, I, I guess we'll see what happens. Right. And, and, I'm, and I, it was it was a very key part of kind of that that vetting process. Um, when, when Ainer, uh, our CEO, um, found out that, that we might be, we might be able to, to, to execute something here, um, like he said, it's important for him that, that the companies share the same vision and like, you, you, I mean, I, I, I knew these people from going to conferences and I was always like, I, I like them. That's that's a good thing. Um, I felt that that we were all kind of communicating to the market in a similar way. So kind of showing that there are similar uh, similar company values behind it. We want to achieve or we want to help the organize, like help the industry in the same way. And um, and then yeah, as you said, I mean, especially when you're looking at technology, if if there's a big overlap. Uh, and some need to kind of reshape or recut their product. That can be that can be extremely tricky. Um, and the clients don't understand why things are being moved around. And like so, so it was it was just kind of it checked a lot of uh, it checked a lot of boxes in 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 good people, good culture, good products, um, good growth, and um, and I, I mean, we went to the to, to the point of taking kind of client references. Like, you go like, hey, I, I kind of like this product, but I want to know what the clients say. And and they, I mean, they got like fantastic reviews. So so that was another another checked box. Well, you did it also. I think you told me in like an interesting way where it's like, oh, and you kind of like slid it into the conversation. You're like, yeah, going, hey, you know, let, you know. me, like, let me. How do you how do you call someone up and you say like, hey, uh, we're we're looking at maybe acquiring this company. Why? What would you recommend us? Yeah. No, so what you kind of go like, hey, was, would you like I, to I spend keep my money? Asked. No, like, <laughs> I was like, I keep getting asked about this product. Like, so can you tell me? Can I like? Yeah. yeah, could I can I recommend it to people, or would you would you not do that? And then, I don't have a lot of experience with it. I'm trying to understand it, and you know how the marketing materials that these guys give you are everything looks like puppies and rainbows. I mean, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, but it's it's like when you're hiring people, right? You, I mean, the CV is looking pretty good, but you really want to hear their former employer um, say that that they're good people. Well, there's also the thing too. It's like um, that's the team building thing too, right? And you you can have the, a great person or a great you know group of people, um, and then you mix them together, and it becomes a challenge. And example that has absolutely nothing to do 
with tickets, but it has everything to do with team building. Was like, um, you know, my kid, he plays, he's been playing, like, he plays tons of soccer. I mean, you, you see this all the time. And um, so our two team, our team had to combine with another team because when they went to 11 v 11, we only had probably 11 kids, and another t- group t- team had eight. So we didn't yeah. have a full squad. And, um, you know, it could have been, you know, different personalities because, uh, you know, my personality and the guy that that I, I coach with, Paul, our our personalities mixed totally very well together. But then we had another group of kids and another group of um, another coach, a group of coaches that it's not guaranteed yet. By, by the end of the fall season, when our first time through the thing, the, the guy goes, the Jonah, the guy that's like the coat was the coach from the other side. He goes, it's like we have a real team and you wouldn't know that we w- we had like come together just a couple months ago. And, it, you oh, know, yeah. so it, it's um, the alchemy of relationships is um, yeah. super important. And, you ha- you know, and there's no and I guess the point is, is that there's ne- not necessarily anything, you know, uh, until you get into it, whether or not it, everybody can, you know, things are going to work out, right? Um, this is the challenge of any situation. This is probably the challenge we're dealing with now is that we have all this data from past performance. And that, yeah. now going forward, we don't know what's going to happen. It's all a leap of faith, you know, and and and. And what I like about the um, what you've done here is that you've taken a leap of faith because, you know, and it's like, let me look at the world that I'm operating in and let me say, oh, you know, I have all this data, but that's all in the past. But looking forward, I can see that like having a holistic solution, something that's like a little more comprehensive, more global in nature is going to um, enable us to be successful. And then you took the bet because that ain't easy. No, but I mean. Yeah, it, this is not going to come as a surprise to you, but uh, it wasn't entirely a leap of faith. Um, like we 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 do our uh, we do our due diligence and 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 just having seen because we have we have shared clients between the, the three companies. So the fact that, that people from those those client organizations have been asking us, hey, could you create kind of integrations between the these mm-hmm. services. I mean that's that's a good indication that 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 would unlock value and that would be helpful to clients to and I I'm a tr- like I I always say that I see this as a if we go back 10 years you had the like the monoliths of of technology where you would they would try to build everything within one system um that only worked for so long, then people tried to or started going into more specialized services saying like, oh, no, but we would like our a really dedicated tool for this and for this and for this, which is which is great. You like the specialized tools. They they do what it says on the box, but you end up with a lot of specialized system and therefore a lot of potentially customer touch points that are not connected. So Whereas uh, where you can say we've been looking to to connect those endpoints for a long, long time and doing so with partners as well. But now we just went kind of all the way and said we know that our joint clients are looking for us to bring together those data points. So, yeah, that's let's leap a little bit. Well, I, I, I and 
see, you say it's not so much a leap of faith, and that maybe it, it helps if I explain what I mean by a leap of faith uh, a little more, because I don't need necessarily mean it as a bad thing. I mean, it's like going, any decision you make, you only know what happens after after the yeah, fact, yeah, yeah. you know. And what I what I see all the all, all too often is that people refuse to make that decision to push forward uh, and mm. you know and put faith in themselves is really what it comes down to because they yeah. want certainty, but there's no such thing as certainty, you know. And I mean, this is like a uh, you know this a I think that like from as we talk about it a little more, you know, I think from like, if you're going to take, if you're going to take a chance, this is a good chance to take because you're, again, the planning stage is supported by the activity stream idea and the, in the platform, uh, the pre-event the, and the post-event and the event can also be helped by the, pl- the platform. So again, it's like a, a sort of a self-sustaining uh, process. And so that makes sense. But the, again, and this is not you specifically, this is anybody. There's nothing that says you're going to be successful. I mean, you know, it's part of, um, you know, the beauty of like some of the stuff I do is like, on, you know, I'll create a workshop. I don't know if anybody's going to show up. You know, some, sometimes I, I cancel, I have canceled them in the past because I, there's not enough demand in the location yeah. that I want to do them. Um, but I've also, you know, been wildly successful in at, in certain spots. Uh, Melbourne, Australia, I'm coming back to you, baby. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> but that's, I, I guess that's why we all like, that's why entrepreneurs have, have gotten that, that, heroic like that hero status now that you go like okay well, well they they dared um they they knew exactly what they had they didn't know what they were gonna get but they went for it um so i believe yeah. there's a french definition of entrepreneur that i heard and i like it more um than i do like this hero worship thing because i know a fair amount of entrepreneurs and they are not necessarily like gung-ho gunslinging risk takers they are like really great at risk mitigation um okay you know and taking and taking prudent risk right not not afraid of risk but you know but not like going i'm just going to go all out and do it you know it's a balance and the definition that i heard somebody use and i think again i think it's french was that um entrepreneurship is just really taking underutilized resources in one place and putting them in a place where they will be uh used more effectively and Mm -hmm. you know and if that is the definition and maybe that's the definition i'll use and if it if it's not somebody else's it'll be mine now um Isn't that what we all should be really focusing on is like taking these things that are underutilized, you know, um, and applying them in a way that's going to help people do a better job, you know, maximize their contribution more, um, you know, because even, you know, at least in my experience, people, if they ha- are given the opportunity to um, to achieve, you know, to have more impact, um, they, they embrace that. Right. It's um, where I find it fruit. Uh, fruitless for people is when they're just asked to do more and they don't see the impact, you know, and they don't like, it doesn't change their contribution doesn't change. But like, if people get a chance to contribute more and they see the impact of it, I, I, I've re- rarely see people not embrace that. It, no, and, and well, taking, taking that metaphor and, and taking that analogy is, is also what you kind of, what you what you can potentially do when you merge three smaller companies like take um i mean crowd engage 
is was a two-man company. So as you say, I mean that that means that those people need to cover a lot of different roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, develop the product, do sales, do marketing, <laughs> clean, <laughs> do the accounting, uh, like all of the above. Like you, you, that's just the way it is. And even though, as you said, that one person might be just much better at one of those things mm-hmm. and can potentially like specialize. So. So it's it's also kind of an unlock when you grow beyond a, a certain size. Some co- some companies will do so organically, others will do so through acquisition. But it it gets it's back to the point I made in the beginning that you kind of just sheer numbers enable you to do things. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, it comes down to to a an idea that maybe. It gets a little of attention, but it probably doesn't get enough attention in like sports and entertainment, the theater and the arts is the idea of core competencies. And, yeah. you know, it's a simple concept, right? Which is like that some businesses well, do you're, you're, some you're things better your, than others. <laughs> but people want to do everything uh, to everything. concept of wealth of nations. I mean, it's that's uh, like the foundation of modern economy is that, well, instead of you growing potatoes and carrots and apples and cucumbers you should maybe only do the the one thing that you're very very good at and then exchange those potatoes with your neighbor who is very very good at making like growing carrots so so yeah the one plus one might actually actually equal more than more than two uh, and that's right. And and I think that like when you look at it through that lens, it, it also helps make something like this much, make much more sense. Because like you said, if uh, if you have a small team of two, is everybody going to be equally as adept at um, programming and selling and marketing and operations? And here's where uh, I fall down on the job is like accounting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me you too. Know? Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so I mean, it's it just yeah, makes yeah. sense. And, and 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 as I said in the beginning, you just you come out of this situation having, um, like having founded. I mean, when Einar founded the the Exertion company seven years ago, and and I joined six years ago as employee, maybe number five, six. Like it was a very small company, and you go like. There's been a lot of decisions made in that in those seven, six, six, seven years. And now you kind of like around pricing and around kind of how you communicate and, and all these things. And and you that's what I said. I think now you get to shop best practices because you, you kind of look at one of the other companies and, and you go like, hey, <laughs> you guys are doing that much better than I am. Uh, so. So do you mind if I borrow that? Um, so you get to you get to shop a little bit. Um, I think some sometimes you you can you can achieve that kind of same fresh view on things by just going and have a conversation or read a book and rethink what you're doing. But you you typically just have that ref, very strong reference point that is yourself. And like, well, it kind of works. So yeah, let, let's go with this. Um, but but just the fact that you that you have maybe three different ways that it's been done. Now you have to find out w- which is the best one. And and yeah, so I mean you you always come back to pricing uh, and 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 kind of how how do you do pricing? And 
and and you also like in when you found a company and you 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 develop a, a product for the first time like how do you price something when you do your first sale mm-hmm. like most founders will probably just be looking for that first sale if someone wants to buy it for 9.99 that's fine then we can talk about the price for the second time because first of all you just need the validation that someone is actually going to pay for it and not just everyone around the dinner table saying that hey that would be an awesome product um and then go there are separate ways yeah oh yeah I, um i don't you know you know the what's funny about the pricing thing is that the pricing thing has become this huge thing and i am uh like a yoda i don't even know i'm, I'm more like uh I, I'm not even. I'm, I would need to know somebody who's been around million because I've made millions of independent pricing decisions over time just because of the nature of what I've done over the years. Um, so, I, so the, the interesting thing when you brought up that I always come back to pricing is like I don't know how it's become such a big thing <laughs> because it's just more like it's uh it's always about the value, right? And 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 how do you um give people enough value that they're willing to pay what you what you need or want for your product um with no questions asked and that's that's where i um come down on on these things you've come down on it many times about kind of it is well the price is a like price is a price but there's a whole like what's the message around that price how do you communicate it how do you present it like um I mean, I, I, I'm a big nerd into behavioral science. So just looking at kind of just looking at how people are communicating price and like, I mean, you can, you can go into like very, very detailed analysis of this and, and people have proved that, well, the comma, if you put in like this, uh, this is a thousand and two hundred dollars, like mm-hmm. if you put just one, two, zero, zero to the person reading it is going to seem like a smaller amount than yeah. one point on one comma two zero zero, which mm-hmm. is just you go like that that can't be right, but it is because the it like the longer the number is, like the the, the higher the number is. Oh um, yeah. Well, I think people misunderstand it. If people don't understand this, you have a master's in economics, right? Is that, that's is that, right, that's that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so people misunderstand two things here on pricing. Um, one's about me, and then one's about just pricing in general. So, number one is like, I, I think I've told you this before. It's like I don't think that marketing alone should be deciding the price. Uh, the, the, the the price. I think that like you need somebody who's like you who knows uh, behavioral science and economics along with the marketing department to set the correct price because most of the time let's be honest like you you were talking about like a lot of founders they just want to make that first sale most people are making up price just by pulling it out of thin air right they they use bad comparisons to like oh you know like this company's charging this so that must be what the market bears it doesn't matter and here's where the thing that the other people miss it doesn't matter 
how much you know you've spent on developing your product or how much you put into your product it all you know all all of these associations that are important to you all that matters is what the value is that the customer sees on the other end you know so like you, you might say oh i have to make ten dollars on this to make it worthwhile and the customer only sees five dollars in value on it doesn't matter you ain't selling it at 10 bucks like you know you got to no, increase no. the and value we, yeah and we know the people that did the opposite like uh there's a there's a very famous Danish founder who uh, who created this plastic thing that will stop doors. Uh, like you put it under the door, it's a triangular thing, and it stops the door from from closing on itself. Um, product development probably not very expensive. Production probably not very expensive. It's a piece <laughs> of plastic. Um, but that guy made millions because it was like. It was valuable to people because having the door slam because of a draft or whatever, um, like that is just, yeah, you potentially smash the door. It's like very uncomfortable for people, like the, the sudden sound, like all that. So you just, I need, I have a job to be done, which is to keep that door open. And I don't want to stand there. So can I? Can My I heavy books slide out of the way sometimes. Like if it's yeah. the wind strong enough, the books like fly out of the way. That's exactly. exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. It, it's um, it is an interesting thing that you guys are working on. Um, Martin, where do people find you on the internet? Well, uh, well, I mean, they, they know how to find you, man. I mean, because like, <laughs> I mean, you're like, what you call it? You're like my co-host, but you know. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, I have the benefit of a weird name. So I mean, if you go Scammel, weird is a total, totally normal name. Uh, maybe because yeah. I know I've known you so long, it's a totally normal name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go, uh, maybe, fine. maybe. I had I was in Germany the other day, and and this this German guy who was taking down my name just said, apparently Gamelt, the means kind of chilling yeah. and oft means often so i was like hey you're like the often chilling person i was like oh don't mind if i am um yeah so yeah your name so, is no. your destiny <laughs> so, so they, yeah so martin gameltoff you can probably find me anywhere um and well yeah then we have the the company uh the company websites activitystream.com yesplan.be and crowdengage.com and yes over time they will probably be merging uh more and more in in kind of their you know visual and messaging and so on but but for now we believe strongly in the identity of the three products so it's going to be super exciting Awesome. Well, Martin, good luck with everything. And thanks for thanks for coming on here and uh, telling everybody about what's up. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. Let me know what you thought about my conversation for the fifth time with Martin Gameltoff. Send me an email. It's my name, Dave at DaveWakeman.com. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, come to my workshop, the whiteboard workshop. I'll be doing it for my the first time in person uh, with a group that's not from the same company. So this should be a lot of fun. It's on the 12th of September. Uh, it's a Monday in New York City. Uh, I will teach you the D, C, G, A framework for strategic decision making that you can use at any point uh, with or without me. And that's diagnosis, choice, goals and actions. 
right? So uh, $300, I made it accessible for people. Send me an email, dave at davewakeman.com, and I will get you signed up. Uh, check out my newsletter, Talking Tickets, talkingtickets.substack.com. That's where I share all of my thoughts on uh, ticketing, strategy, marketing, branding, uh, or anything that catches my eyes that will help uh, people grow their business and get people back into shows and concerts and sporting events uh, as we recover from the pandemic and the lockdowns associated with this. Um, make sure that you check out my friends at Booking Protect. That's bookingprotect.com. Uh, we have seen data that has shown that guests are taking up refund protection at double the rate that they did before the lockdowns began in 2020. This tells us a lot of things. Well, number one, that people are looking for peace of mind uh, when they're making a purchase because there's still COVID waves coming and going. Um, there's still some uncertainty in the world. And, you know, people want to have a little bit more security in their purchases. This allows you to generate a new stream of revenue for your business. Uh, but more importantly, it allows you to offer a uh, more holistic customer journey. For your guests, it gives you an opportunity to offer a higher level of customer service uh, and it allows you to be responsive to the, your guests' needs. So check them out, bookingprotect.com. Talk to Kat, Kath, Haley, Simon, uh, anyone there. They're all uh, incredibly great people, a pleasure to work with, and they offer a world-class product and service. Uh, check out my website, davewakeman.com. There's a bunch of stuff going on over there, um, blogs, uh, some new stuff will be going in the store, uh, all kinds of great stuff. So that's DaveWakeman.com. As I often say, or actually, as I always say, hey, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I know that things are still going a little tough for people. So if you need to talk to somebody, don't hesitate to send me an email. Uh, it's my name, Dave, at DaveWakeman.com. Uh, and I, like always, thank you so much for being here. And I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy.